Hi, welcome once again. I'm Tim Modise hosting uh, this discussion on the budget speech given by Minister of Finance Ino Godongwana. And it is brought to you by the Southern African Institute of Government Auditors. The whole point today is to look at the major policy issues within the speech and to test whether what was allocated and announced yesterday will deliver on the ambitions and aspirations of South Africa. South Africa has been waiting anxiously for the budget speech by Minister of Finance, uh, Mr. Ino Godongwana, yesterday, and he announced a raft of uh, promises and uh, allocations that will be going to state-owned entities as well as provinces and municipalities. There are many weaknesses in the South African system, and uh, not only are there weaknesses, there are also challenges. The main one being that of economic growth and employment creation, On the other hand, the performance of the state in delivering services. And on top of it all, the debt burden that seems to be increasing every year. Question is, will South Africa be able to overcome these challenges? And do we have fiscal space to pay our way out of our problems? I invited economist with uh, and uh, director of the Institute for Economic Justice, Dr. Gillard Isaacs, who joins us and will be with us for the next 30 minutes or so, as well as Ms. Nikki Weimer, who is the chief economist of the NetBank Group. Now, welcome. Let me start with you, Gillard. Tell us a little bit more about the IEJ. Excellent. Thanks very much, Tim. Uh, the IEJ is a non-profit think tank linked with the University of the Witwatersrand, um, and we focus on e- economic policy issues, and budget policy is one of our core focus areas. I will be coming back to you in a moment, and there's a reason I asked you that question. It's uh, to do with the basic income grant that you have been pushing for, and the main concern for many other economic commentators is that South Africa can not afforded, but you and your colleagues believe that we can. Nikki, the allocations have been made, the challenges remain. Are we doing the right things, you think, now through this budget to get ourselves out of trouble when it gets to the performance of Transnet, ESCOM, and the performance of municipalities to deliver services? Ooh, that's an enormous question. So are we doing the right things? Um I think we've we, we're taking steps in the right directions, but we are really in survival mode. Um, that's the way we see it. And if we look at this budget, uh, you know, the fact that we had to go and take uh, from the Golden Reserve account um, in order to just keep state debt cost under control um, and reduce the, the borrowing requirement to levels that wouldn't scare the living daylights out of anybody Um just gives you a you know gives you a hint of exactly how tight things are so things are very tight on the fiscal front um i suppose given the difficult circumstances that they did the best they could um but uh you know on the economic front on the unlocking the right sort of policies in order to bring about faster and more inclusive economic growth um i think we've only just started uh, and, and what we're discovering is even where the policy advice is the right one, like we've seen in the reforms with regards to electricity, nothing moves or or, or is in, implemented as quickly and as rapidly as you 
as you would like. And 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 very often there's all these sorts of holdups, uh, whether it be on the legislative side, um, that just means that to make material progress is is, is a, a case of sort of two steps forward and one step back. Um, but certainly in terms of electricity, I think we're doing that. In terms of um in terms of rail and port issues, I think we have barely begun to address those issues. Gilad, coming back to you, um, you did suggest that there was room for the basic income grant to be paid out to all South Africans and that the country can afford it. But um, other economists, as we've already heard from Nikki Weimar, the view that we're borrowing more than we can afford and the situation seems to be getting out of, of control now, with the Golden Reserve account being put on standby to provide 150 billion runs that I know in one of your papers as IEJ you are suggesting that that is the account that could help pay out the BA, the, 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 the basic income grant. Yeah, so I think it's firstly important to um, explain that the fiscal envelope, the amount of fiscal resources is not a God-given uh, sort of amount which is handed down. It's a policy choice, right? It's a choice of um, <laughs> how much tax, how much borrowing, and other sources of revenues. So, for instance, in the budget in um, 2021, the uh, debt levels there were due to peak at eighty at eighty nine uh, percent per, per, per in twenty twenty five twenty twenty six, and the national treasury at that time uh, referred to those levels as a sound platform for sustainable growth. So three years ago. Uh, Debt of 89% was considered manageable. At the moment, in 2025-2026, debt's only expected to be at 75%. uh, So we've made a choice in that policy to uh, prioritize uh, a reduction in, in expenditure over important social services. We've made other choices. We've made a choice last year uh, to uh, give in handouts um, over 70 billion rand to those earning above 750,000 rand. Uh, People like um, ourselves uh, receive income transfers from the states in the form of uh, medical aid and pension uh, tax credits. That's a policy choice. That funds could be used to uh, support healthcare, a, a, a basic income grant, or any other of the essential social needs, which actually we've seen in this budget uh, being slashed. We made a choice to forego 13 billion rand by uh, lowering the corporate income tax from 28 to 
to 27% without any tangible benefit. So these are the choices which government's making. And the flip side of these uh, decisions on revenue is uh, decisions on expenditure. We see over the uh, eight years from 2019-2020 to the end of the medium-term expenditure framework, a cut of 270 billion rand um, per person in non-interest expenditure. That's a cut of from about 34,500 rand to 26,5,000 rand. That's almost 8,000 rand or a quarter of per person uh, non-interest expenditure. And of course, this filters down. It means less spending per public health care user, less spending per uh, 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 um, learner in school, uh, below inflation increases to uh, social grants. And so that's the hammering which uh, ordinary and poor South Africans are facing due to uh, deliberate policy choices not to utilize the maximum available resources. Nikki, what, what is your response to what Gillard is saying, um, given that other economists, as I've suggested, are inclined to push for more investment in infrastructure, improvement of the performance by the state-owned entities, especially ASCOM and the Transnet, that the underperformance of these two, including others, of course, is what is leading to what has led to the slow or negligible growth that we see in our economy and that the major challenge for South Africa overall should be about productivity, growth of the economy and creation of employment. Yeah, we, we, we wouldn't agree with that assessment of the situation. So I suppose it really depends on which angle you come from. But I think there is an underlying truth here. And that truth is that, yes, South Africa is a highly unequal society. Um, we have very high levels of unemployment. Uh, we started our journey to democracy uh, with this legacy, which was challenging then. Um, and I would say that in the first 10 years, we were slowly moving in the right direction. I think an argument can certainly be made if we look back in hindsight to the first 10 years and saying that businesses didn't do enough then. But as we go from 2009 onwards, I do think we've been moving in the wrong direction. And so we find ourselves today in a fiscal position where we have still got a very unequal society. We have worse unemployment. We have an economy that has been stagnating for over a decade. Um, and uh, we have very limited, uh, you know, sort of um, taxpayers. We have a very narrow tax base. So given that you have so few taxpayers and you already have one of the most progressive income tax systems out there and you have very limited economic growth and certainly over the past 15 years the most damaging effect has been um, the results of either state capacity failures or SOE failures. Um, 
as you've mentioned, the electricity outages, uh, crumbling rail networks, inefficiencies at the ports. We estimate it, it, it in all likelihood that if it wasn't for just those two elements or three elements, um, electricity, rail and, uh, and, and port um, issues, that South Africa could probably have grown by an extra four percentage points. So um, the reality is that that's hit business very hard. And so really, at the end of the day, that's hit tax revenue. And you can't say, well, tax them to, you know, the absolute maximum and redistribute that that income um, and not expect some kind of negative outcome. And I think that to say that we've cut tax rates and it's had no effect is to ignore the pandemic, is to ignore the crumbling uh, rail and port and uh, electricity infrastructure and say that somehow just the tax rate, uh, just the cut in the company tax rate should have had this miraculous impact on economic growth and job creation. And it also doesn't change the fact that you can't continue to spend that much more when you have such a narrow um, uh, tax base. You've got to, at some point, also start to add to that tax base. Gillard, you spoke about the choices that are being made by government that are not helpful or assisting in providing for the basic income grant that the IEJ is pushing for. But the talk out there in South Africa is that, you know, the performance of the state is of such a nature that it cannot be trusted to do anything, including uh, paying out uh, the basic income grant. They point People point out to the lack of provision of water, that that in itself would help advance um, economic justice one way or another, that if you deny an econo- a community access to clean water and sanitation, in that context, you are robbing that community economic justice anyway. And then there's talk of the national health uh, insurance and the new ways of providing health care in the, in the country. And people say, can we really trust that government has the capacity and willingness to deliver better health care? than it already is doing, which is not excellent at this time, using examples of energy and water as an example. I think it's important not to put these things in contrast with each other. I agree absolutely that the failing infrastructure in South Africa is a, a, a critical hindrance to um, economic growth. And that fixing those things is, is, is an absolute priority. I agree in the need for expanding uh, service d- delivery capacity, uh, roads, r- r- rail, electricity. These are things which we at our institute and myself speak about daily. Um, uh, but these things are not in, um, in opposition to the need to ameliorate the uh, uh, most devastating uh, uh, situation of the poorest in South Africa. In fact, what what the international evidence shows and the local evidence here is that the implementation of cash transfers of this nature lead to a whole range of local economic benefits. It, it means money in the hands of those who 
spend locally. It means a in, an increase in the activity of local economies. Um, it means a uh, increased spending power. It improves job search. It improves educational outcomes. It improves health outcomes. All of these things add to the underlying co- capacity of the economy. Um, in addition, um, uh, what we should note um, is that uh, these uh, we're not trying to play off a basic income against public services or against the need to um, invest in key infrastructure. If there's anything which we should be seeing uh, the basic income against, it's the welfare which is being given to the highest income earners. There's and I say it again, 83 billion rand in uh, income transfers to those earning above 750,000 rand. That's more than double the amount that's being allocated to the SRD grant, which hasn't increased in four years. It's absolutely indefensible. There, there, is, there is no possible defense for handing you and I 83 billion rand. But, but the, the, uh, the uh, advocating for an increase in social transfers is not it in opposition to fixing the ailing economy. It has to be seen as a part of a package. And many of what you have both said about those key industries are also things we say. Nikki? I absolutely understand the need to prevent extreme human suffering. No one wants to live in a country um, that does not address that. Um, but where, where, where I would be quite reluctant um, to say, let's spend more and more and more and more, is to come back to that very point you, you rose. And that is that ultimately, if government spending is not efficient, and in our view it isn't, we've experienced a dramatic deterioration in our view in government services. Um, things like uh, electricity security and water security and just basic municipal services and making sure that people live in clean and you know, it doesn't have to be fancy, just clean and safe um, and secure environments. All of those services have deteriorated. And all of us experience this as we wake up in the morning, as we drive um, from our properties to work, we see the decay. It's no longer hidden. It's no longer just in certain areas. We see it pretty much everywhere. Um, and, and, and that's the problem. So are we now saying allow government to spend even more when they haven't illustrated the capacity to do the basics and perhaps the focus should be on that for government let's get the basics right because i think that that will already make a material difference to the life of especially those who need assistance the most if i might tim yeah yeah please go ahead i I think that's absolutely right let's get basics right um but you can't get basics right if you starve municipalities of of funds. Uh, you can't get basics right if you go to a clinic and there aren't enough doctors and 
nurses. I mean, you, you simply can't deliver. Now, that doesn't mean that finances are a, um, uh, the be-all and end-all. Of course, there's critical issues here of capacity of, um, of, of, of implementation. But finances are a necessary, if not sufficient, condition for d- delivering those services. And that means conceiving of our budget policy, not as something which serves as a drain on the economy, but thinking to ourselves, and this should be at the forefront of National Treasury's mind, how is it that we use this budget in a way that is most de- developmental, in, in, a, in a way which advances job creation, in a way that advances... But, but, but Gillard, what, what is your response to, the, to, to municipalities and provincial governments uh, that have returned some of the allocations they received from the Treasury simply because they did not have the capacity to spend the money or they did not have uh, projects that they could invest the money in? What should one say in that regard? And, and this is especially true of the um, most hard-pressed municipalities and provinces. Those are the ones that seem to be guilty of retaining the unspent grants. And that's a problem. Um, you know, wh- why is that, Tim? Let's, let's unpack that. Um, and what happened is in the last... 20 years is not only state capture and corruption, but a systematic underinvestment in state capacity, a mindset that it's the private sector which can deliver and that it is uh, government should rely on, on, on outsourced services and consultants. Um, and, and a systematic under-investment in, in the personnel within, within government to, to uh, actually um, generate a, a public service capable of, in, of implementing policy. So, you know, it, it would be crazy for us to uh, deny that uh, that's not a very real problem. But the solution has to be not to strip back government's role more, but a, a, a de- de- deliberate and systematic investment in the capacity for government to actually implement its stated policies. Um, the irony of the question of basic in- income is, is that social grants are actually a very, very easy thing to deliver, right? There's uh, very low leakage from corruption. It's, a, it's much, much simpler than uh, building complex uh, infrastructure, than educating people, than uh, healthcare. But across the board, we have to invest in a civil service that actually functions. Mm-hmm. And then, uh, Nikki, on the back of the budget that has been presented, we've uh, enumerated some of the issues there, and there are other things that are contained in the budget. 
Do you have confidence that we are stepping in the right, or we're taking the uh, right direction here to fix our our challenges? Economically speaking, we know what they are. Poor economic growth, unemployment, a whole number of, of those things. That whatever was promised by the minister yesterday or announced by the minister of finance um, will help us take the right direction. So I think on the structural reforms, I do think they have the right idea. I mean, the plan is a solid one. I think if implemented rapidly and with conviction, in other words, not with resistance and hesitancy, um, and accelerated, I think it will make a difference. It will ease some of the infrastructure issues on businesses, maybe help to um, uh, enable higher production and reduce um, operating expenses and help revive profitability a little bit, which over time, if we systematically build on that, could get us in a better position. But again, it's all a function of implementation. We have not been good at that. And because we've not been good at it, um, it, it, structural reforms don't immediately deliver or yield results in any case. It takes time and often quite a lot of short-term sacrifice for long-term gain. Um, And given that we move so slowly and we're pretty bad with implementation, it looks like it's going to probably take us longer. So, yes, I think the plans on that front, we're moving in the right direction. But no, I don't think it will materialize probably as quickly as National Treasury anticipates. And then in terms of, um, you know, just the overall fiscal position, I still think we're in a very tight position. Um, And I think it really now comes down to government to illustrate um, that they can start to um, put the country on a more sustainable footing. And I think that if they can succeed in reducing fiscal risk, I I think we will get the benefit of that. It will translate into lower borrowing costs. It will translate um, into steadier currency, more contained inflation, and potentially even over some time, um, credit rating upgrades and um, ultimately also uh, generally lower cost of borrowing and higher economic growth. But we're going to have to chip away at it, and it's going to be a long road, I, I think probably the next three to five years. Right. And thanks very much for that, Nikki. Gillard, the right direction do you think that we are taking, the government is taking with the budget that it unveiled? And uh, will this help deliver socioeconomic justice, even though it may take longer than, than we wish for or anticipate? What do you think? What we don't see, Tim, is a cohesion coherent growth path, right? We have to have a pathway to expanding the economy. And it's not enough to say, well, let's shrink borrowing, even though the um, reductions in expenditure, which that involves, will remove demand from the economy and slow economic growth. And through a whole series of intermediary steps, somehow that uh, lower levels of borrowing will translate into improved growth. Unfortunately, that's got the story backwards. What we have to start with is a, is a plan to expand the economy. The only way for us to uh, achieve sustainable fiscal uh, p- p- position is on the uh, 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 a back of e- of economic 
expansion, right? If the economy grows, one's debt levels fall. Um, it's a ratio of, of debt to GDP. And what we're not seeing from government is a co coherent growth path, a way to invest in the uh, most essential areas of our economy um, and a deliberate effort to expand uh, both new and existing um, industries, um, to expand in, uh, employment. Um, and it's through that type of bold investment plan that we would actually be able to see ourselves reach a sustainable fiscal position. Thank you very much, uh, Gilad Isaacs of the Institute for Economic Justice. Appreciated your time and your insights, much appreciated. And Ms. Nikki Weimer, the Chief Economist of NetBank, thanks again for your time. And this discussion was brought to you by the Southern Africa Institute of Government Auditors. And the whole point is to expand our way of thinking about how the country is run, as well as hold those in authority accountable and encourage those who are doing their work to improve on it on a daily basis, because South Africa is waiting for all of us to deliver, to make this a great country and realize its potential. Thank you once again. Excellent. Thanks very much, Tom. Thank you. Goodbye. Another production from Solid Gold Podcasts.